Today's episode of the Westworld TheoryCast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head on over to CuffLinks.com and use code DVR20 to save 20% off your order. No minimum, baby. CuffLinks has everything you need to look good when you step out into the world. The world is opening up. You need to look good. You're going to events. You're going to weddings. You're going to parties. And you know what? You need to head on over to cufflinks.com and accessorize, baby. They got everything you need, and there's always specials. Just check the front page. Go on over to cufflinks.com now. Use code DVR20 and save. Thank you, Cufflinks. Welcome back to the Westworld TheoryCast. Today you have the cleanup text coming together to close out the week. My name is Jenny, and my co-hosts are Gina and Brett. We are the cleanup techs. We round up the trash, i.e. missed pieces, things undiscussed, and perhaps completely wrong. But we've been tasked to tidy things up as best we can do. Today we'll be discussing Westworld Season 4, Episode 2, Well Enough Alone. Hey, Gina, how are you doing tonight? Hey, Jenny, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Brett, what's up? Oh, just really excited to dig into this episode. Me too. Uh, well, let's see. First things first, preview for next week on Andy and Axel's pod. <laughs> they seem to be forgetting Caleb's <laughs> daughter could be a possibility. Seems like such an obvious idea and a huge miss from them. Random. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? <laughs> well, I was listening to that and they're like, oh, maybe it's Maeve's daughter. Oh, maybe it's like XYZ, someone we've never heard of. I'm like, Caleb has a daughter. We don't know how far in the future this is. It could be, it could be Frankie. Uh, and she is having uh, target practice at a very young age out back. So she's probably going to grow up to be a badass. So, sorry, I stole that from your notes, Gina, okay. <laughs> but it was just like, it was right after the intro. And I was like, this is perfect. We can get going on this. I had thoughts too, but Brett, did you think anything about that? Well, I did not watch the trailer, so I right. had no thoughts. Did you listen to Andy and Axel talking about I, the trailer? I, I took Axel's advice and I, I cut it short. Well, we'll leave it alone there. The We're just talking about uh, their the daughter, which you've already seen her. And Gina didn't spoil anything with her comments, so we're good to go. Where do you guys want to start this week? Gosh, I don't know. Maybe we should dive into the whole Caleb Maeve adventure and the new um, temperance slash golden age theme park <laughs> seems like a good place to start because it feels like the beginning all over again it does and you know in the in the so this wasn't the preview it was just um the behind the scenes thing they said that they had basically reworked the Sweetwater set to do this this new town but one of the things that i noticed when i was re-watching a couple of the scenes this evening before we started recording um was that on the the train that they were showing, like the exterior of the train, it said something, it said Chicago on it. So I'm wondering if this temperance village or whatever, this little town in, in uh, Prohibition era or the 20s or whatever, um, is supposed to be set near Chicago. What do you think, Brett? I would believe that. 
that makes sense. I don't think the actual park is near Chicago based on uh, no. the geography <laughs> discussed. So, and of course, Ch- Chicago is infamous for <clears throat> Al Capone and the, yeah. you know, all the underground um, mafia network during prohibition. So that makes sense. Yeah, it completely makes sense to me. Also, too. the whole thing with prohibition in that era and the town being called temperance. I mean, that was like what that whole thing. It was called the temperance movement. Yep. So, yeah, it sure was, um, which, you know, I think it's super clever the way they set it up. Kind of like you go down a hallway, there's a hidden door, you enter a speakeasy, you know, if like you haven't, I mean, we all kind of saw the the general preview, I think, that I think, you know, for a while people were calling it gangster world, which, you know, or mafia world. Yeah, yeah. Mafia world. Um, but yeah, it should be um it should be a lot of fun. The roaring the roaring twenties. Um did did either of you take uh uh Andy's advice? Or well, I don't know if it was advice, but he said he was going to do it. And I actually did it this evening. I went back um and looked a little at season one, episode two, where uh, they show William doing the, it was kind of like, like a lot of the scenes this season so far in these two episodes we've had this season. Um, it seems like they're mirroring things off of season one, if you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Dolores waking up in her loop and some of the other things, but this, these set of scenes, a lot of there a lot of bits of it were mirroring the exact same things. I mean, I know the whole getting dressed and everything, but when I rewatched that that episode from season, well, the bits of it from season one, episode two, um, the the lines that the the host says to William, they're almost exactly. I mean, some of it is verbatim the same yeah. things that Sophia mm-hmm. said to Caleb, and. Um, the, the going down the hallway and going into the door was also a mirrored, uh, but it wasn't exactly because that wasn't when, uh, like William did go into a train car when he went through his door, but he had already like gone into the dressing room and gone mm. through the questions where that was kind of reversed in this episode. Any anything you guys want to talk about on that? I'd say even the town itself reminded me of Sweetwater. I think Andy mentioned this or, or Axel. Just the way as soon as you get off the train, you got the main road and the and the buildings on either side. Like almost like the, the layout was identical. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I also feel like since we're talking about mirroring, there's a lot of mirroring just between I think um William Flash Billy and Caleb. Um, overall, both kind of this first trip into the park and just in general, like they both have wives and a daughter. They both kind of come from humble beginnings or origins. Like, you know, we we got some flashbacks of William's childhood last season. And we know that Caleb, you know, isn't like a rich kid or anything. Um, you know, he is very working class. Um, they both look like they're around the same age. The first time they're doing a bona fide visit to the park. And I say that because we know that Caleb was in some sort of park in the past for military training, but this kind of first true consumer experience they're having, um, Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's very interesting and they both whether they admitted to them or not have kind of mental health issues slash baggage you know we didn't know it at the time but William had been abused by his by his parents and Caleb definitely has PTSD and potentially some other mental health problems from being in various wars being a soldier uh so it's um, I think there are a lot of interesting parallels between those two, which both has me intrigued and concerned. Yeah, you know, another thing that they both share is a re-education facility ID numbers. This is something that Andy pointed out last year that was very confusing, and it could it could be a uh, plot hole or or sloppy writing, or it could have significance. But if you look at Basically, if you freeze frame the uh, the monitor when William was at the re-education center and you look at the profile, the insight profile of Caleb, I believe is where it also is. The ID number is the same for some reason. So is that some weird, freaky connection that's going to be explained later? Hmm. Maybe, maybe not. But I, as you mentioned, there, there are other similarities going on here just uh, in their two storylines. Yeah, I feel like there's something here, but I don't know what it quite is yet. Uh, and I'm worried because Caleb could have a full on PTSD like freak out meltdown in the park. And he didn't choose a hat, which is intriguing. But I also think once you've been a soldier, you go in with white hat intentions and then Sometimes as that job goes on, there are black hat moments, whether you want them to happen or not. Right. And when they were, so when uh, Sophia was talking to them about, I, that whole scene was, I thought it was funny when she was asking about like all the health things and if, you know, when, if they'd been there before and Maeve, Maeve's answers were just, <laughs> I love her. I love Maeve, but you know, he was all concerned about, is it, or why would that matter? And Maeve just is like, just forget it, dude. <laughs> like, you, you don't even know what this is going to be like. But then like, when they were like, you know, you basically release your personal information. And it's like, that just gives you the heebie jeebies, right? Especially knowing how they've, what they've done with all of these people's information and things like that. But I feel like that's why they didn't take a hat. <laughs> That's hats, how I read it. Yeah. The hats mm. were the things that like take the information. I mean, not that they can't get the information from any freaking right. infected peoples in the park yeah. that they encounter, but still like, they're not going to give like their, yeah, and they, you know what I they mean? They signed <laughs> off on the consent forms. Right. So. You know, that's right. And I think before maybe it was discussed last season that there might be cameras slash microphones embedded in those hats. Mm -hmm. to capture kind of every oh yeah moment. that was back in season two william yeah. explained how a lot of the guest data in the forge actually came from basically scanning their brain through uh chips in their hats wow yeah so if we're going to talk about mave and caleb we might as well exhaust the subject <laughs> yeah <laughs> and go back to the beginning or closer to the beginning of the episode with mave and caleb when you know, they go and, and see the senator and his wife. Who wants to start that chat? Um, well, 
I mean, I think we all saw this coming in some way, shape or form. Right. I feel like we all should have realized last week that the likelihood of who was going to be the senator was one of the new people that she created, you know? Well, I wonder where she got that information from that she she told Caleb that they were going to meet a senator in California. Where she, I wonder where she got that information from to, um, to, to begin the journey. She got it from last week when she was ambushed at her cabin in the woods. Remember when she poured it into the colonel? The, the, yeah, the colonel's brain. That's when she saw it. Oh, okay. She got that from the colonel's. Yeah. She saw William okay. talking to somebody yeah. about the senator in California. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's now we know that there are 249 hosts in the living world that are at least part well, of Well, I think this. there were 250 <laughs> she had already killed Anastasia bot. So I think it was 250 and he was taking that into account. That's yes. my opinion anyway. <laughs> I, you're probably right. And I think that's just the ones that are part of this initiative that they're right, all part of, right. not counting like our road. The new world order. New world order. Yeah. Yes. Bernard. It's not counting like Bernard, Stubbs, Maeve. Right. And whoever else might be out there because <laughs> we don't know. And definitely not counting the nano flies. <laughs> Oh my God. I know there's more than 250 of those motherfuckers. Just saying. That's a great point, Jenny. <laughs> oh gosh. That's frightening. Um, it's weird. They kept, well, it's not weird. I guess they intentionally kept the wife alive to fly her. She's been flied clearly to experiment on her. Mm -hmm with the yes. flies yes i think she had actually been flied before before the freaking host came and stabbed her in the back because of the line that she said when she came into the room it was like so off the wall talking about a yeah, dream said, or something she said i'm having the weirdest dream honey or whatever and i thought that was a very strange thing to say right before she got stabbed in the back yeah and she looked real spacey right yeah. yeah. So I was wondering, was her brain was already being sapped or something at that point? No, I think she had been flied before that. that. Yeah. That she had also met a fly or two already. <laughs> yeah. Especially if she'd been out riding, which it looked like she had been, you know, flies and horses kind of go together. So it yeah. would have been a great place to kind of implant her. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and the humming. <laughs> that the humming Andy yeah. and Axel talked about it in their podcast she was humming like she was out there and I can't remember if she was humming when they yeah she was humming because that's yes, how they yes, found she her and then mm -hmm. like she looked up when they spoke to her and she hummed I think she hummed again and then like she came to and gave them their direction so I feel like the humming is I agree with it's not if what I recall, I mean, I only, that was this morning that I listened to their podcast and I feel like they were saying something about, they felt like it was like them communicating with whomever, Char, the, Charloris. The, the music that, the, the music that doesn't have a sound or what, 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 the, what is that line that the, that the guy on the street was saying? Yeah. 
uh, that somehow could, comes from the tower. Yeah, it could be. It seems to be a clue that someone has been flied. You like if they're humming, may, maybe they've been flied or they've been, their brain has been taken over. Yeah, um, the music that's not a song or something yeah. strange like mm -hmm. that. And mm -hmm. the tower could be, well, just like we have cell towers, right? That send out signals. Maybe that big tower is kind of what sends all the signals to the flies and is the control mechanism for that. That's what I was wondering. Uh, that would make sense. Oh, here, I, I was looking in my notes because I was trying to remember what he said. <laughs> Christina noticed the man raving about the tower the music of the tower that only he and the birds can hear. And then right after that, when she walked up to the door of what's it called Olympiad or whatever, all the birds are dead on the ground around her as she goes to enter the building. And I don't know, by the way, I don't know that I agree with Axel that all the birds were gone when she turned away because they only showed a tiny bit of the sidewalk. But anyway, back to what we were talking about with the humming <laughs> that's what the guy said and he was saying yeah the music so there's something going on with the tower but again we still don't know i would love for it to connect up with stephen king's tower hmm. it does kind of on the surface it seems it does seem like maybe the, the the tower is a way of transmitting signals to people that have the the black goo in their brain in order to like control them Mm -hmm. Yeah, Something and like and the flies perhaps too initially. I was just thinking. I think the flies make the goo. Well, yeah, but initially I was thinking, what if like the first attempt at this type of virus? I'm just going to kind of call it a virus, a flyrus. Um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Gina coined a new term, this flyrus. What if, I like that. What if the first attempt was actually through birds and pigeons, almost like a bird flu, but maybe the tower scrambled their little brains and they ended up dead on the sidewalk at some point. And maybe Dolores was having like a flashback or something. And right. then they well, tried it with flies. It's like we'll definitely be down. talking about Dolores a lot. <laughs> or Christina. Christina. Yeah. That is, that is a cool idea, Gina. Yes. And, and uh, I, I do think <clears throat> I would buy the fact that the that the birds were gone when she when she turned and walked away. I didn't actually see that scene twice, but I went back to check. That was one of the things I wanted to look at this before we came on this evening. And I looked at the pad about the live build and um, yeah. I recompared well, the two scenes with the train <laughs> from if, season if she's one. having jumbled memories, like you mentioned on the Facebook page, mm -hmm. which I a great comment similar to season one Dolores where she was kind of confused which timeline her, mm -hmm. she was in as far as recalling memories right the same thing could be going on here because she's clearly in uh there, there's clearly a weird thing going on with with the Peter guy so it could also be that she's she's been to work before where she's seen the birds and then she's been right. to work before obviously where she hasn't seen the birds so she's seeing kind of or re recalling both memories at the same time i have another little mini theory on that when we get there <laughs> okay I, I i think i see where this is going but um but yeah uh so the i think the the one last thing about caleb and mave that i have is 
you know, last week we saw this scene that we hadn't seen before when Maeve was having her kind of meditation down memory lane. And at first I was like, maybe this is the future because then everything blacked out. Right. It, it, it actually does seem like it's something that happened at some point, right? At some point after we saw them. And then perhaps there was something more of a war uh, against the machines that they participated in um, that we didn't see. But he's like, do you want to talk about what happened? And she's like, what happened is we went on and, and lived our lives. And he's like, well, I've been living in the past. But so I that's mean, a no. She yeah. Does not talk about what happened. <laughs> she doesn't, which I think kind of then we can go back to some of the theories we had last week. Like, is Caleb really 100% human? Um, I'm almost kind of wondering if he is still human. Does she now have abilities? I feel like Maeve is ultra super powered. Does she now have abilities to even um, heal humans? in a way you know she's got kind of this domain over machines but and we also well, don't you know, know if what... she has one of those tools that the cleanup techs use right <laughs> well and you know we know these guys are taking tabs and they have all sorts of right. weird stuff in them in this timeline anyway no, i mean i don't yeah. really think that like that tool wouldn't <laughs> no. clean up that wound i was being facetious but still but... she could have healed his skin <laughs> medical technology that we we can't comprehend, you know, maybe she can apply some sort of mesh skin or something mm -hmm. that, that acts as a, Hey man, she's good with the mesh network. Maybe <laughs> she was able to create some type of nanobot to go in and heal him. Yeah, Nano fly. Like yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> she summoned flies. Maybe she's the, she's the, the, the Lordess of the flies. Sorry. I'm really full the of lady the of flies. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay, so who do you want to talk about next? Brett, you pick. Unless you had something else to say on Caleb and Maeve, sorry. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to I'm going to jump to my questions because I well, this is more of a comment, but I I learned that Maeve can detect hosts if they're nearby. Mhm. Mm and I thought that was interesting. She obviously using the mesh network, she can do that. And I don't think that's a normal ability for other hosts. For example, the senator acted like he had no idea Maeve was a host when he answered the door. So just something to keep in mind. That right, but then his wife, she was like, took you long enough. <laughs> well, that was that was after after the confrontation. True. Okay, go ahead. So Sorry. I'm just just kind of tucking that away. That's an ability she had. That, that's actually pretty handy, especially on this mm -hmm. show when we don't we don't know who's a host and who's a human. Well, she does. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. And you mentioned Caleb's phone in your questions too. Yeah, I just, I, I'm just curious if the fact that they took his phone away from him before he entered the park. Is and why does his phone look so different than like Dolores's phone and all the devices they were using last season? His phone looked like my phone. I know it was like big and clunky compared to their little slim freaking pieces of glass they're carrying around. Like that seems dangerous. Like it seems very easily breakable. <laughs> they, I mean, who knows? It just could be an older model. Right. And I, I you got to wonder, cause they did make a point of doing it Brett, where it could have just been like done on the side and something they didn't have to show us. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it we'll could see. be. It, it could also be, you know, going back to Brett's kind of initial mirroring theme with that's where Christina is. She's like in a mirror world. Mm -hmm. It would make sense that at that time, if it mirrors the technology from the time, you know, they were taking from, which was kind of last season, and then maybe post machine revolution, they might have dialed back some of the tech that they can use in everyday life and regulated it more just so it wouldn't be so invasive. So, so you know, mobile phones and yeah. stuff might have taken a few huge steps back to look more like what we have today versus. Be, yeah, yeah, exactly. It could be the new fad because people don't want to be reminded of the, the sleek glass phone era. They want, yeah, <laughs> so they want and to buy the old, the old retro phones. Tracking their every move, whereas the phones we have today only track 50% of our every moves. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, Brett, pick a topic. All right. Well, along these lines, I wrote down this question. Why is William Bach going after Maeve? It seems it, this could be a very... Uh-oh. You cut out. Brett, did we lose you? Hmm. Brett. Brett, are you there? Brett? Well, we can answer Love his me. question. Oh. There he is. Brett, we lost you for <laughs> a minute. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> You, we got the why is William Bach going after Maeve, but then after that, you kind of dropped out. Sorry about that. I think it's my internet. Um, hopefully it stays with me here. But I just wanted to ask this question just to be clear. It may be an easy question, but uh, we know Halebot is very pro-host. She's trying to create a world of hosts, but this doesn't necessarily preclude her from killing certain hosts like Maeve, it seems. So is it to duplicate her special powers is it to is, is she perceived to be a, an obstacle um it, and then why would she why would she think Maeve is an obstacle if that's the case hmm. is, i think that <sighs> Since you're humming, Gina, I'll answer first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that um, she may be wanting to see if she can turn Maeve to her side because, like, for example, last season, Sorak was able to get Maeve to join his cause. I mean, granted, she thought he was, well, well he had promised her things. I don't know how much she actually believed he was going to follow through on his promises because she does not have a lot of trust in humans, understandably. But I think that um, Charloris may try to see if she can get Maeve to turn to her side and then maybe try to harness her special powers. Yes, that sounds like a logical thing. But if she cannot get Maeve to turn to her side. I think she would rather see her, you know, out of the picture. That's my opinion. I mean, not, not theory casting anything there. That's just my opinion. <laughs> I tend to agree with that. I think if she can't control Maeve, Maeve is a threat since Maeve does have the ability, even with certain upgrades 
to see some motor functions of the other hosts. And so that leaves her in kind of a more ultimate position of power and one that we're not even sure that Charloris has, right? Um, she's controlling these people, her, her people, her, her children, but does she have the same level of control over them that, that Maeve has over kind of your standard host? I think that's a big question. And that would make Maeve a threat for sure. Uh, I buy that. Um, and I also think that maybe they want to copy her mm -hmm. special abilities. If her pearl is unique in that sense, maybe they can make copies of her and then create a world of hosts that have these special powers. Well, I don't know that they would want to have a world of hosts that have those special powers. I think that mm -hmm. uh, Charloris is more power hungry. And of course, uh, MIB, William Bot, whatever you want to call him, I think that he is power hungry because um, so let's go ahead and talk about Charlotte and William a little bit here. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, Charlotte, um, Charloris, whatever, uh, you know, we've already discussed a little ad nauseum on the podcast this week about uh, <laughs> who Charloris is. And um, I kind of agree with what you guys, I think were saying last week where I can't remember if it was one of you or both of you, but, you know, we, I think all agree that this, the pearls, those pearls started as basically a clean Dolores copy, not necessarily maybe the most up-to-date Dolores copy at the moment when she brought them into this world, the different hosts, maybe, but maybe it was like the clean original Dolores copy, but I feel like Charlotte maybe got the more recent Dolores copy that had the Wyatt code in it, because I feel like the things that Dolores did to her last season were to try and make her be the more Wyatt person. And I also, I think it was Eugenia that, again, it might've been Brett, I'm sorry, <laughs> which one of you it was, that were saying that because she was put into the Charlotte Hale body, she kind of seemed to take on some of the characteristics of Charlotte Hale. And I agree with that. Plus she learned from the situation she was put in and the way that Dolores was a bad mommy to her. I know you said that, Gina. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that it made the Wyatt characteristics come to play more and the experiences that she had when she got blown up and everything. And so it activated that Wyatt persona that we saw in season two, who I think is all about the power. And so she would love to have Maeve's capabilities, though I do not know that she will ever be able to do that. Um, anyway, uh, the William bot, I think, has taken on some characteristics of 
William as well. I feel like they tried to do one of those human type builds and put, I feel like they did that. She did that with both of them and put some Mm. of the Charlotte characteristics in and put some of the William characteristics in, but they're not William and they're not Charlotte. It's Charloris and William bot or MIB or whatever you want to call him. But he was always power hungry after he figured out that he was a terrible person (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> he seemed to come to terms with that and just kept on going with it. But so I think that Charlotte and William or Charloris and the William bot may wind up diverging and going on dif- different paths, which I think Andy said this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't and say I it this morning. He said it on the podcast that I listened to this morning. Um, but I really, really do think that they're both very power hungry. And so they will both be coveting Maeve's capabilities. Go Gina, your turn. <laughs> I, I definitely see this. And I think we also need to remember way back into season one. I think that we found out at some point that Dolores original Dolores prime is Andy likes to call her. Sometimes I call her Dolores OG original gangster. Right. But, um, <laughs> that she played a significant role in Bernard's creation, Um, that they did not get a full 100% Arnold, but they came very, very close and that they almost decided in the end, he had to have a different name and they needed to not force him to be Arnold in order order for him to become more like Arnold. Um, And so I, I think she's had a couple tries at this and I think, I think Hale Charloris was a little bit of a, and I do the char because she got so burnt out, but um, (laughs) she was, she was a little bit of a mistake in a way, but I do think kind of her DNA, probably she was always kind of power hungry as a human. And so I could see it gravitating towards that Wyatt program more. Uh, And that's kind of the same as, oh, hold on guys. And that's the same as William Bott. And if we think about it, Dolores Prime is very white hat and Wyatt is very black hat. And perhaps this is just the host evolution of, you know, just like people, there are are great people and there are evil people. And so maybe this is the host's evolution into their evil or good selves, white hat, black hat. Could it be that simple? It seems I don't that know. Simple. It does seem that simple. Kind of weird. Uh, at least, yeah. Yeah, we can keep it. I think we can keep it that simple for, for now, for, you know, following the story for now. Yeah. Um, like you were saying, when Dolores created a copy of herself and made Hale, I call her Hale Bot. I think that was the first. That's what we called her last season, Brett. That is what we called her last season. That's just, I I just add bot to the end of their name. Um, I I think that was her first child, so to speak. So it could very well be that she kind of, she was raw. She made some mistakes. And William Bot would also be the first child of Hale Bot Mm -hmm. along those same lines. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see William diverge and maybe even backstabber at some point. 
I don't think it'll be the same way, but yeah, I definitely see that coming. So now that I threw all that out there at you, um, do you guys have other stuff you want to talk about with um, Sir Loris or Hailbot uh, and William? What about that freaking cryo scene, man? <laughs> so, so that's the real William. That's that's William Prime. I know. So it took me a minute. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Like, why is why she got the bot in the suit? Like, and what, what oh, 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 that's really William. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> that was wild. Yeah. It's also oh. a really good way to continually test fidelity and make sure you're you've got the most fidelity possible keeping the real person alive as you work on perfecting the bot version. Dude, that was crazy. I'm like, so, and, and the way they made him up to make him look like he's older than the way that they have the um, host versions of him looking. Mm-hmm. So is he, why is she keeping him alive? I did not see any probes connected to his brain. Now, maybe this is just me being pedantic here, but is she actually de- trying to detect his brain activity in order to achieve fidelity? Or is she just keeping him alive so that he can watch her take over the world? It might be a little I would have both. Some of those wires connected to his head. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it might be a little of both. I think she's probably more in it for the revenge torture I, uh, I think, than fidelity. I think it's that loser thing because he said that in the park and so now she's like saying it back to him like somebody's got to be the loser so there you have it the the real the real reason i'm asking this question is because of my preseason four theory that perhaps ford's game for william is that he's been a a human host hybrid the entire duration of the series and so if the OG William that we know is actually a hybrid. Could that still be true if she hasn't, you know, opened up his head? Is she just assuming he's human and got him strung up there and whatever she's doing? Or does, I mean, I don't know, has she taken Mm. x-rays of his head? This is me being very pedantic, but, you know, I'm just kind of... I mean, it's a possibility, but I would assume... That she would have to know that he was still human. <laughs> That's my assumption. I could be or wrong. Or is he so good at being human that she, that she just assumes he's human? He's so get, good at being a shitty person. So that that may or may not have completely dashed that hybrid theory. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll get some more clarity later. We'll see. But I think it's interesting. That's another thing. <laughs> excuse me, to add to the whole William and Caleb similarities, we both have theories that they could be some sort of hybrid. Mm-hmm. Or, or we have theories that they both could be some sort of hybrid. Right. To add to their kind of other mix. I mean, if she's just keeping him alive to be the loser, as she said, then she may not even care what, what his brain looks like. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. So we'll see. Did you guys have any thoughts on the the scene with the vice president out at the golf course? <laughs> well, he definitely can be as 
big of an asshole as man in black can be that's for sure and that hat was over the top that was like the worst ugliest black hat black hat i ever saw and i'm just like really and like <laughs> what so, bad. so like i feel like you're he was giving himself away because um in the past he didn't like wear necessarily all black when he was outside the park <laughs> and if he were an actual human out there playing golf in long sleeved black button down top and pants and that hat in black <laughs> he would be a bit toasty <laughs> just yeah. saying the vice president should have known <laughs> he should have like turned around and said no we got to bring the whole entourage he's wearing all black long sleeve on this hot golf course there's no way that <laughs> you know that's that's an interesting point to make jenny because now that you say that if you think back to the second season when he's kind of out in westworld with his daughter at the time and i remember like he had whiskey and she's like you drink here like it seems like his man in black persona was something he always especially reserved for his time in the park and the exactly. outside of the park he was just like i'm william william head you know whatever his last name is we don't know what his last name is is that not insane i mean we know that logan was logan delos and William's wife was Juliet Delos before she married him, but we don't know what William's last name is. Uh, I don't recall. That's true. I'm pretty sure they have never given him a last name, Gina. I, I believe you're correct. Because <laughs> I always thought it was a little bit odd because Dolores has a last name. Maeve has a last name. Clementine has a last name. I mean. <laughs> Bernard. <laughs> does bernard have a last name low yes oh yes he does yes. Stubbs has a last Ford. name Stubbs is his last name and yes. his name is ashley, ashley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but william does not have a last name i can Very almost guarantee you <laughs> well, oh, usually the... in, in a story that means he's related to somebody that we know and they're going to reveal that later Hmm. I'm not sure that that's going on here, but. Right. Oh, one thing that I <laughs> thought was funny visually when they were showing, uh, when, um, when Maeve went into the Senator's brain and was looking back at what had happened when, um, William came to see them and then Charlotte showed up that, that asked. So I looked up how tall Jack Coleman, Jack Coleman and Ed Harris were. And Jack Coleman is six foot two and Ed Harris is five foot nine. So that is a five inch difference, right? But it looked like about a foot, maybe not a foot, but it looked more like a nine or 10 inch difference by the aspect ratio they were showing. I mean, and it was like, it was so weird because, you know, Jack Coleman's character, the Senator was the one who thought he was in power, but he did not have any power in that situation. And Ed Harris was looking like the small guy, which he is shorter, but again, it looked, they did use some sort of aspect ratio. I feel like to make it look like an even bigger guy. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Just listening to Axel talk on podcasts about stuff like that. Sometimes I notice these things now. <laughs> I take it neither of you noticed that. Well, I mean, that guy's just a big guy. And 
So I didn't really notice it as a, as a, you know, cinematic affect, I guess. Uh, I just kind of thought, oh, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't really notice anything too much. It didn't look like anything to me. <laughs> well, before we, we, we leave uh, Halebot and William Bot, I wanted to bring up the, the new park again real quick because I have a theory, a little theory. It's actually inspired by Axel, what, something he said. Oh, Axel. <clears throat> and maybe this is obvious to everybody already, but my theory is that the new park is designed to achieve fidelity on the flied humans. So these humans that are going to enter the park, they're going to enter the park, they're going to get comfortable, and then they're going to be flied. And then while they're there inside the park, the hosts are going to have the freedom, you know, to achieve fidelity as much as they need to before they actually release them back out into the real world. So let's just maybe slowly uh, start turning the human population into flied people. This park is going to help with that. That could be very interesting. I, I could also see it just being a test run to get the type of DNA and everything they need for the full-on host transformation. Um, because I don't, I think, I think the fly technology is a little, seems still a little bit um, in beta. It <laughs> so does, to speak. yeah. And I wonder if they would want to experiment. But this park would on, be experiment on their their cash cow, the people that would be coming there and continuing to. But speaking of beta, it. that's what Sophia said that they needed to give consent for was for beta testing. Data, uh, no data. Um, I heard beta. Oh, I, I heard mm. I heard data. Um, consent to use your data. Now I'm about to. <laughs> Where did I wrote it down? Where is that? I'm about to turn on the the show and fast forward and watch it with my captions on because I swear. Um, Sophia, okay. Beta trials. Oh, beta, beta trials. Beta Consent trial? to use their personal data in their beta trials. Oh, okay. Ba okay. Data and beta. They were both there. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm like beta. Yeah. And then you were talking about beta testing. And I was like, but wait, they use that word in this episode. <laughs> well, that would make sense to me because yeah. they have, they, th this is not, they have, they have a place where they can practice. That's not the real world, you know, to try yeah. to hone, hone it before they uh, release them back. Well, and that would explain why they really wanted the government approval to do this in the U.S. because they were like before the VPs like, listen, you could do anything you want as long as it's not on U.S. soil. You know, that's always we've always turned a blind eye to that. But now they're they're testing, you know, closer to home, probably because they lost access to the original kind of parks which i always kind of thought were in, in asia pacific somewhere 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure that they were. But yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we kind of got confirmation of that and some of the stuff in season two, especially. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Bernard Bernard went there by boat. Yeah. Um in the second episode. Yeah, in his house that they season. showed that Dolores first went to that had the um the printer, the body printer mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. That was in was it in Hong Kong or China? It was in one or the other. I know, but yeah, Republic China, of or maybe. whatever. Taiwan, maybe. S- but it was, it definitely around. was in Asia. And that was close by the park. So it was um, definitely yeah. like the, well, I mean, and the VP even repers there said something about offshore. I mean, offshore yeah. could be a lot of places, but they did, it was in the South Pacific. You're right. Or South Asia, Southeast Asia. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I have I have one more quick question to throw out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Colonel Brigham last episode, right? Um, but he didn't know who he was. Like he had no recollection of his former self, the guy that attacked Maeve. Um, and then we saw that that guy attack Caleb, and that was actually the same guy that was the the guy drinking the milk and season one episode one if you remember mm-hmm. i knew um, that he was familiar but i i yeah. i saw that the the post in the group um otherwise i wouldn't i pro- unless i went back and figured it out but yeah actually my wife and i called it at this at the time that he popped on screen and we're, i'm very proud of us but um <laughs> <laughs> but i assume he would also have no recollection of his former self so is there a reason why charlotte Hale bot is or William bot is uh using these hosts t- to uh you know to attack Maeve is it just that they they have their body blueprints available they're just kind of randomly selecting a host and printing the body out and or is there's I don't know if there's any kind of significance there for using the same like the identical body of Westworld hosts my thought is that they can use those bodies. They're like they're like the clones in Star Wars. Like they're just disposable <laughs> um, to them because I feel like they don't have the original Dolores code because that's like in the forge that they can't get to or whatever. So mm. they aren't able to build um, good hosts that will last. A long time mm. so it doesn't really matter um they're just I feel like, like easy to make yeah the ones that they mm-hmm. already have the prints for like you said and okay. then to go with um i don't know something i think gina was saying earlier with the people replacement and the flies infecting them the fly um i'm wondering if the flyrus is somehow getting data from the people's brains and that's like part of that black ooze or something and that's to maybe try and help them build better hosts i don't know just mm. spitballing and throwing shit hmm. out here that's interesting though that... <laughs> see what sticks on the wall yeah <laughs> that's interesting. Some black ooze may have just stuck on the wall there <laughs> 
Oh, man. But I mean, I just thought of that because of the whole fidelity issue. If they're not using the Dolores copy, because whenever they didn't use the Dolores copy, they wound up going insane. So if they don't have access, I mean, because I know that their own pearls started out as Dolores copies, but now that they've like, for lack of a better term, mutated or diverged or whatever you want to call it like is it are they able to get back to the clean data to start from that's like basically like like when you get a brand new computer and it's perfectly fresh and nothing's touched it (laughs) and it's all perfect for five minutes until you start putting shit on it (laughs) Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah no that those flies can be both like a delivery and a retrieval system for sure. That's interesting. And they're, cool. they're going in and collecting kind of brain matter from these people that they might want to turn into part of the new world order. Right. Hmm. Cause I'm just like, I need to know what the black ooze is about. I mean, it's something cause well, as you it's... were already spoiled, Brett, that they showed it, the freaking big white thingies carrying jars of it. I honestly don't know what you're talking about. Good. I'm not going to ask. Black ooze. <laughs> I'm not going to ask a follow Well, you know that, the black ooze that I'll... came from Anastasia's head. Well, right. I saw that. So I was and they, just. And they that... made a point of showing you the black ooze coming out of her head. So it's there for a reason. And we know the, that the hosts have white ooze or, you know, a white milky Ooh, substance. Right. So I'm thinking That's... that there's an, an analogous uh, mm-hmm. thing there. Like the white, the white juice makes the hosts and the black juice makes the humans. Or something. The humanoid. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. No, I assumed you had heard that because I think Vanessa or Heidi, I think it was Vanessa, spoiled it on your initial reaction. Thankfully, I wasn't paying attention to that part, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Vanessa, if you're listening, but (laughs) I doubt that they're listening. (laughs) I don't think Justin listens to us either, but that's okay. I still listen to him. Um, Hmm. Well, I, I think we've just got one more kind of person to talk about, and it's Christina, right? <laughs> right. We have lots of things with Christina. Oh We're going to be having a two and a half hour pot. I don't even know how long we've been going. <laughs> uh, maybe almost an hour. Okay, that's not, not too, too bad. bad. <laughs> Actually, we're doing pretty good. I mean, yeah. it probably is about an hour now. Hey, we're yeah. good making good time because we've talked a lot. We have. All right. Christina. Who wants to start? Uh, Brett? Well, I'm going to go ahead and kind of further my my theory from last week um, because everything I saw in this episode, I don't think anything kind of uh, disproves it. Um, I I like the idea that this might be a park, but my – my problem is there's there's no amusement going on. It's not like mm-hmm. an amusement park that I can tell. The the hosts what I what I would call the hosts are these non player player characters, and they almost seem like invisible to all of the other people in the world, um, which would make sense if they're outliers and and you don't want them to in you don't you don't want them to influence the paths of people that you're already able to predict. So it, 
let me see. Let me just refer to my notes real quick. Well, you're good. I, I also think that Christina herself is a non-playable character. And um, it one thing we saw in the in the first episode as well, and this one I think is like when she's walking down the sidewalk, she's almost bumping into everyone as if they don't see her until the very last second. And uh, same thing with the sidewalk lights; they the, the the lights don't even pick up on her until she's right under them. So, what if all of these non-playable characters are almost invisible? Um, I, I, I believe that Olympiad could be like an analogous company to uh, Insight. Maybe like Olympiad Entertainment is like the mirror world version of Insight Ooh. because that profile that we saw when her boss called her kind of reminded me of an Insight profile. So perhaps all of the non-playable characters have Olympiad profiles and so they're they're monitoring them to make sure they're staying on their loops because you don't want them interfering with the players too much you know um that's kind of th those are kind of my thoughts um I, I like the idea that she is kind of seeing uh she's confusing what timeline she's in because if they are in a simulation, simulations, you can run them over and over again to try to project results. So maybe she's already been, you know, through multiple iterations of this simulation. And now in her brain, she's confusing which one she's in, which would make sense that she just saw Peter die three days ago, but the wing has already been built and, you know, dedicated to him. So, and I still, I kind of stole that or inspired that from uh, Jenny's Facebook comment. But I don't well, know, those I are think, my thoughts. So, I think, did you want to say something else? You didn't sound like you were finished. Go ahead. Those are I, your thoughts, I, but yeah, <laughs> no, I think just the, it would make sense if these non -player, player characters are possibly like the outliers of this simulated real world. And it's almost like you, you want to provide a world. So Solomon's objective was to save mankind from extinction. And so Sirach removed the outliers and that made great progress to that goal. And I believe his plan A was to rehabilitate these outliers using the guest data from Westworld kind of improve on the predictive algorithm so that they could, you know, live amongst the rest predictably. But maybe there was this plan B, which was to remove their free will and then also release them back into the real world, but they just don't have free will. They're kind of enslaved to these pre-written narratives. And so maybe this Solomon mirror world is kind of like testing that plan B so you have a, a simulated real world where you have everybody living in the real world. And then on top of that, you have these outliers that are not actually in the real world, but they're, they're still living in the world, but you don't want them interacting or influencing any, anyone in the real world. So that's why 
they are they have narratives written for them and it makes sense now i i pulled i pulled a line from season three when solomon was discussing the fact that caleb was used to take out other outliers he said the most efficient way we found to deal with the problem of outliers was to use some of them to round up the rest an elegant solution so it would make sense that the writers of the non-player characters are also non-player player characters just uh, keeping the interaction as limited as possible so i'm not sure if i explained that very well but it kind of makes sense in my head that <laughs> that could be what's going on, that could be what's going on in christina's world right now so i am i'm pretty much following you um, I don't agree with all of it, but I do think it's a good theory. And I mean, I like that you spun off of the one that, you know, the little bit of a tidbit I had thrown out there with the um, the different timelines. But um, I, so I was thinking um, she keeps on, she keeps on waking up in her loop every day. And I don't think that she's necessarily a non-player character. I think that she's either in a mirror world or a simulation of some sort. I don't think that she is um, in the real world. And I don't think she's in a park right now. Um, but I think that if it is like the outliers are the most of the other people that she's interacting with other than like Maya and her boss Emmett um if they are the outliers like for example this Peter guy that Dolores wrote this story for because she was trying to come up with something racier for her boss so instead of her sappy romantic storylines and like perhaps this Peter guy is an outlier and he's kind of like waking up and I feel like someone is trying to wake up Dolores in this simulation or this mirror world and that's why or or it's a memory from her Dolores hood <laughs> that the maze that she saw the maze out there on her little balcony and when she Sorry, I'll get back to the Peter thing in a minute. When she was, um, when she woke up on her loop in this episode, she woke up and she was hearing uh, Peter saying um, that stuff about the tower. And um, then later on, um, she, uh, I was trying to find that part of my notes. He, she hears him saying, I thought it was the tower, but it was you. And she's like, she rubs the cut on her arm and then she gets up and she puts on black instead of her, instead of her blue that she wore all last episode and in pretty much what see all of seasons one and two. But um, when she comes out into the room, it seems like Maya's like trying to play off the whole thing with Peter, but she's actually like feeding her a bunch of information. She's like telling her all this stuff from his obituary. And she tells her the, you know, the thing about his ex-wife and that he lost his job. And that, uh, uh, the thing about the house of hope or whatever that hospital, the mental hospital is. And she tells her all of this stuff just randomly. Like why? Why, why did Maya even look up mm -hmm. the obituary? I mean, and I, I agree with um, what some of you have said. 
that Maya seems like, that Maya seems like she's maybe just like somebody to keep pushing Dolores along on her loop. But I feel like she's actually kind of pushing her to wake up and not be in her loop because she's giving her all of this information. And Dolores remembered the tower comments when she woke up, or I'm sorry, Christina, I keep calling her Dolores now. Uh, Christina remembered that line. And then she passed the homeless man and Axel in the captions, it says homeless man. So (laughs) (laughs) just saying, it's what they called him, not me. (laughs) Not Peter. (laughs) The homeless man that she passed um, was raving about the tower and she heard him and she's like, what tower? And he said the thing about only me and the birds can hear it. And uh, she keeps walking and she gets to work and she sees the dead pigeon on the ground. And then she looks around and she sees more dead pigeons on the ground (laughs) and she decides to leave and go on her mission to go to the mental hospital. So it's like she was thinking about the tower then she was thinking about Peter and then Maya fed her all the information. Then she hears more stuff about the tower and the birds. And then she sees all these dead birds and the birds look like they had fallen from the sky, which sometimes like there's weird events that happen with birds and they just like all fall from the sky. But like they look like they fell from the sky, a la Peter falling from the sky from the building when he committed suicide because they were like splatted on the ground. And I feel like that made her turn around and go get in the car to go check out the home of hope. And like, I'm tying all of this together with Peter, but I feel like maybe Peter is an outlier. Like Brett was saying, that's connected to this, mirror world or simulation that Delore or uh, Christina is in. And um, the story that she wrote that involved him and he's an outlier. So he has a name and he's connected to an actual person out there. She put him on this story loop and he's like kind of awakened himself or something. And He's living through this over and over and over again, like Dolores, when she was starting to wake up, was living through all the trauma of the things that were happening to her and Maeve and, you know, the, um, thank you, Akachetta and his family, like when they were waking up, like, so anyway. I think that is all I wanted to say about that. That was long-winded and circuitous. So hopefully it made some sort of sense to you. Comments? I mean, I, mean, I like it. Yeah, no, and I, I think it makes sense. I definitely think she's being manipulated somehow and, yeah. and that there are kind of multiple parties and that she does have some type of loop and oh, yeah. I, memories and her, yeah. her boss, I think was even like pushing her yeah. too. Cause even though he was like, like questioning her, he was like, Oh, it's okay. And whatever. It just like seemed like he was kind of pushing her to keep going on that path right. she was going on. Yeah. It, it kind of reminded me, even though it wasn't 
exactly the same, but there is a moment in, in season one where they're like, the farmer's daughter's off her loop again. And I was just kind of yes. like, and instead he was more directly calling her and it's like, so you're on your way to Jersey. <laughs> you know, it was just like, mm-hmm. you know, she got to the front door of work and then it's like, nope, I'm going to go off my loop today. Oh, it's kind of funny. But I feel like it was purposeful. Like, like all the things were coming together to push her to continue on that path. It was yeah. weird. It is interesting. Um, and I do feel like with the stuff in the home of hope or, Again, I don't know what it's called. I have it written down, but I'm not scrolling to find it. Um, <laughs> I, 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 that stuff I feel like could have been um, different memory things, like how her whole season one storyline was. Like it was like I don't know four or five different story lo- or uh, timelines at least. But um, I feel like that when she was in that building, she could have been seeing different periods of time too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that her saying go away. I wish they'd go away or whatever, like actually made them go away. Cause they seemed like they were touring the building and they just needed to go to the next room. So it was convenient. So she may have been story writing that too true it does seem like she has some weird powers in this world where she writes things that actually then happen um which you know i think it can all feed back to the fact that yes it's potentially a mirror world and you know part of you know dolores prime is is maybe in there somehow i know people are like dolores as we know her is dead and even Lisa Joy says that, but I still have this weird inkling that, you know, copies of data can be made like more original copies. And if, if they put a more original copy of her in that mirror world, then, and she's, you know, like Trojan horse inside Christina, I don't know. I'm still kind of on that. And um, I'm still kind of on that theory, Um, but I'm probably out. Uh, numbered in uh the thought that people think she's Dolores is really dead but I I think there's I think there's more of her left than people think I'm not sure if you're outnumbered Gina okay yeah I I don't most people are on on the yeah I I don't think she's dead I do think that the Mm up-to-date version of Dolores that was with Caleb that went in and they sucked all her memories dry I think that person that had all of those memories doesn't exist now, but like she could have been backed up not too long before. That. Yes. Yes. Agree. <laughs> Agree. I'm that's what I'm thinking too. Backed up and put in this mirror world perhaps. So, but she's got brown hair so that she can't be uh, Auburn. Oh, Auburn. Sorry. Auburn. <laughs> Die job. I'm waiting for Maya to dye her hair blonde and then she looks in the mirror for the first time and then shit shit's getting real. <laughs> you know who we didn't talk about? I know she's a more minor character, but we did not talk about Clementine Pennyfeather. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it started off so nice and then I know that was such a beautiful scene, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then William bought got her and now she's a evil henchwoman. <laughs> 
Yes. Yes. And I was like beginning to wonder because she was like the, the like side person in so many different scenes. I was like, did they like create like five of her? Is she like the whole backup for Robert Palmer and his videos in the nineties? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my wanna... gosh. <laughs> could it, could have been just one copy? Cause I wasn't necessarily assuming that I know it could have just been one copy, but it was like, she was just (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, she was. She was at Delos and then she was at the golf course and then she was in the car with the garrote. Garrote. I'm not sure how you pronounce that word. I do know the word, you know, she was trying to kill the justice guy. So, and then he got, fly Flied. he got the he got the fly wrist i i love that we're like now to get flied is a verb in the <laughs> you know the vocabulary of this podcasting realm and it was funny when i heard axel say it i think when i watched it the first time i'm like oh they, they got flied <laughs> he's gonna get flied yes <laughs> So it's, uh, but I like your term too. I like the flyers. They got the, the flyers. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, do you think that we cleaned it up? I, 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 I think pretty well. I don't know. It's did anyone so have any uh, remaining questions? Yeah, I had I had one or two questions. Maybe we. Can I mean, I quick. have more questions I could ask, but I've asked a lot tonight. <laughs> Go ahead, Brett. Let's see. All right. Well, here's a crazy theory I had. But first, I want to ask a question. How did the forged data get to Hoover Dam? Do you have any thoughts on that? Who had the forged data? It was it was Dolores had the forged data, right? She had it. She went to the forge or she was in the forge at the end of season two and she beamed it somewhere. Um, yeah, so I think maybe she beamed it to a satellite, beamed it down to that server farm or whatever, because yeah, okay. she had, then she stole all that guy's money, like, as soon as she, she might have even had it stored somehow in a cloud, or I don't know, that seems like I an awful big cloud, but. Carl, Carl Strand said, uh, prep the phased array. Yeah, maybe it was on the array, <laughs> so, but. She got then, all that guy's money right at the beginning of last season, so she would have been able to buy the storage. Well, but but where was the date in the meantime? So you're saying she beamed it somewhere, and then later it got to the forge? Or, I'm yeah, sorry, I the don't Ho- know. Hoover Dam? I'm just asking because... We, I don't know how they I, transfer that much data, so... <laughs> well, well, what I'm getting yeah. at is... It's, I think it's a valid question because this data has been so important for over over a season all mm-hmm. like all of season three Ciroc was after it yeah um what if like you said jenny that dolores beamed that forge data to that actual uh data center back from from the forge and it's been there the entire time so here's my crazy theory if ford built arner's uh, excuse me, if Ford built Arnold's house as a sanctuary for the hosts, could he have built the Hoover Dam data center as a sanctuary for the virtual Eden? 
perhaps Maybe. they were beamed directly there from the forge by Dolores, have been there since. And if Ford is behind this, could he have instructed Bernard to print a second red pearl of himself for it? Could we see Robert Ford this season? I would love to see Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, this, and I don't I wouldn't say there. that it's not possible. If if she did beam it there, then she had to know it was there. Someone had to like that had to be prepared, right? And we know Ford via Bernard through instructing Bernard <laughs> as his right-hand man inside the forge created this virtual Eden for you know the hosts to to give the the hosts an option so it's possible that he created it and then he also had the the, the foresight to try to protect it by also creating somewhere it could go you know and be protected just throwing that out there i think it's a little crazy mm -hmm. of a theory i don't think it's likely but it's fun well, you know, that kind of gets me thinking back to season one where, and I am going to not remember her name correctly, but it was the woman that uh, Bernard was having the affair with who got killed. Um, oh. Yeah, I know who you're talking about and her name is escaping me. And she had been, remember they had been up, they had been transporting data to a data center somewhere already under her, she and Charlotte Hale That's right. were not together. Mm -hmm. And what if the person who's dead that William bot was talking about men in black bot actually was talking about in at the Hoover dam. What if the person that said, isn't Dolores, but it's Charlotte because she was getting a lot of data out as well. And it could be, that those data feeds ended up all going into Hoover Dam because there might have been some predetermined path um, mm. for the data. But that would it, make sense. It could too. it could be even more than I think we think it is, and it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that idea, Gina. Yeah. That that it was Charlotte when he said she took it from me seven years ago. That could have been Charlotte Hale. That doesn't. No, he said be, eight years ago. Dolores, or eight oh. years. Ago. <laughs> Sorry, eight years. Um, yeah, that, that was in my. Of, that was all happening, like, you know, kind of at the same the same time. Um, gosh, there was something else you said, Brett, and I was going to be like, and I think la la la. Now I can't remember the data. The data got me. Um, yeah. Oh, a Ford coming back. So, I have always thought we are going to see a Ford a Ford bot version or a version of Ford that's like Bernard, that's very close to Ford, but, but not entirely quite Ford because, hmm. you, because, and this actually goes back to when that woman whose name I can't remember was killed, they were down in that kind of room or chamber. And there was a, there was a, a host body being created down there and it was all it was, kind of I thought it was grid. her body I, well we never saw her again but um but it was all kind of off the grid and I felt like it's where Ford had made his family remember his his weird yes. childhood mm -hmm. family in the woods Teresa Teresa thank you sorry uh, I, I just went crazy. and looked I had to too look <laughs> 
I just found it. Teresa Cullen. So yes. I had always thought that, especially when he had Dolores blow him away at the party at the end of season one, I know, that right? he would not have had her do that without his own backup host body and pearl. right some I kind of data being that. stored yes so well he was backed up in the cradle for he sure did, he, he did yeah. have a backup there that 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 played a role in bernard's journey yeah. in season two uh but maybe he also had another backup and yeah. uh in this in this place just yeah. just a fun idea yeah no i'm i'm in with that i i think that's totally possible we see him again I would be super glad to see Robert Ford again. Whether he's really Robert Ford or uh, Richard Chevrolet. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm just like making shit up now. <laughs> I was like trying to come up with something that was close to Robert, like Bernard is close to Arnold. <laughs> I was like, but I don't want it to be 40. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Did you have one more question, Brett? And then I think maybe we Well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just end it on this question. And um just because I, I rewatched a couple of scenes from season three, so I pulled another quote from it. And my question is, does Dolores have an auxil auxiliary plan working? Because last season a Ciroc henchman said, Rehoboam found, a, uh, found connected encrypted devices in Jakarta, Berlin, San Francisco, and Los Angeles. So clearly something is going on in Berlin. I don't think they would say that if that wasn't the case, but we haven't really heard of it since. Did we see so, anything about Jakarta either? Well, Jakarta was where Musashi was uh, and all, all, the, all the, um, the white host juice was. Okay. Mm. Okay. Facility. I didn't realize that was in Jakarta. And then yeah. San Francisco is where Delos is and Los yes. Angeles is where Insight. Dolores was. Right. <laughs> Insight and Liam Dency and all that good stuff. Right. But we, we haven't heard anything about Berlin. So what's going on in Berlin? Also, she had a, a, a fourth copy of herself, obviously, which we learned was Lawrence at the end of the season. So is something going on with Lawrence? Is something going on in Berlin? Is there another plan going on behind the scenes that, that we don't really know what it is? Oh. And why did we not see Bernard this episode? Yeah, I was very <laughs> sad about that. Too. So many questions. So I, many questions. I was really <laughs> sad about not seeing Bernard. I don't have any answers to your questions, though, Brett. How about you, Gina? No, but I think they're all great things to consider as we continue to watch the season. I do they, too. They pop up for sure. I want. I wanted to ask that today because in the in the small chance that maybe next episode we're going to get a piece of that, and so the answer is going to be yes, there is another plane working. That's my hope, obviously. Yes, um, I hope. I hope there's something else working too, it's for Dolores's favor. But I feel like the whole whatever it is trying to wake Christine up out of her simulation or mirror world and like get her to break free. I wish I could sing that song by queen, but yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I want I want Christina to break free from whatever's going on there. And I hope that Christina breaking free is part of Dolores's auxiliary plan that is hopefully happening in Berlin. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, and we have to see Teddy 2.0 again. Those two have to meet. And I feel like that's going to be some that huge kind be. of trigger. It, it, it's probably going to be next episode. What do you think? And that is not like a thing from the trail, uh, the <laughs> thing, Brett. That's just me hoping. Yeah, right <laughs> hoping too. Well, I mean, I'm surprised we didn't see him this episode because we I saw him at the Teddy end of the last or episode. Bernard. <laughs> I think as soon as we see Teddy, um, by the end of the, that episode, whether it's next one or the one after, we're go- we're going to have to have some more. Uh, information on what what Christina's world is. I have one Fingers more crossed. question that I asked you last week, and I'm I think I'm going to continue asking this one every week. How many different timelines do you think are going on right now, Brett? Um, I think there's one main timeline, and. Uh, I can't even answer the Bernard question. Because <laughs> we'll leave Bernard could, out of it because we haven't seen him leaving yet Bernard this out season. of it because I still think there's a chance that that's like a hundred years in the future because that that <laughs> he's, he could be like a failsafe. True, um, I'll agree with but, you there. Even though I'm tr- I'm like leaning on the he's probably in the same timeline, but I think I think part of his mission was to wait it out and then wake up to a uh, world a decimated world and and. Uh, yeah, in one of those timelines kind of that thing. were projected in the little thing you shared in the group today. Yeah. Okay. Like that maybe maybe after the population collapse, then Bernard wakes up and, and is a key part of saving the world or something. So but I'm from not sure what about we've him, seen, but it, what we've I seen think, so far, yeah. I think you just think basically one, timeline, one main timeline and, and then that the simulation. Is, yeah, or Christina. I don't. It, part of me wonders sort if the of simulation sim. is. I, I'm just going to roll with my theory that the simulation is roughly along the same lines as the main mm-hmm. timeline. But part of me wonders if it's actually way in the future, like like post-apocalyptic type of thing. Well, it could technically be both because right. we know time in the simulation moves mm-hmm. a lot faster, faster, I think it is. Yeah, yeah so, it's faster. So it could have gone through, it could still be like the, you know, seven, eight years have passed. And right. Like maybe we've actually, maybe what we're seeing with Christina now is like two years into the sim timeline, (laughs) but it's like, it's going to, by the end of the season, catch up with the real world timeline or it's it's not that far behind or it's almost caught up and she's gone through several lifetimes already, you know, or lives like Westworld S. But I I think we're still dealing with one fairly consistent timeline at this point. Me too. Cool. Consensus. All right. So now do you think we've cleaned it up? (laughs) Brett? I think so. I feel good. Gina? Yes, I do. Awesome. <laughs> I agree. So let's say goodbye. <laughs> Peace out, yo. <laughs> Until next, next week. week. <laughs> yep. Say howdy, say to, your howdy to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>